In a church I served in North Georgia decades ago, there was a dear old woman who invariably would come up to me after the service in the line and give me a hug. Each week she would give me a hug and she would say, thank you, preacher, for the word. And I said, well, you're welcome. It was awfully sweet of her. Every week got a nice little hug from this woman. The problem was she had this proclivity to go overboard on her gardenia-scented perfume. <laughs> she took a bath in it. I swear to goodness, she took a bath in it. And, and whenever she hugged me, thank you, preacher, I'm going, you're welcome, you know, because I could feel the fumes and I'd start getting a headache and it would cling to me all day long like a dog waiting to get fed, following me around. Oh. And then I put on my robes the following week, and I'm brought back to reality. It's there again. Have you ever met a Christian whose sense and display of their Christian piety carries this odor of a Christian know-it-all? who definitively knows exactly how Jesus votes and will tell you which books should not be in the school's library, knows for sure who is going to heaven and who's going to hell, makes moral pronouncements about other people's behavior, and who reminds us daily of what a good, upstanding Christian they are from all their prayer, Bible study, and perfect worship attendance. Have you ever met one of those? I have. These uber-Christians whose Christianity is so overboard, so odiferous, that it makes pre-Christians who encounter them go, why would I want to be like that? If it means to follow Jesus, I want to, I want to be winsome. I don't want to be overbearing. Well, this is what Paul, in our story this morning in the gospel, is dealing with in the church in Corinth. A crossroads of merchant, merchants traveling by land or sea, north, south, east, west, by foot, by boat. And as pastor and professor Greg Custuno writes, only two decades after Jesus' death and resurrection, this Christian community in Corinth, in this cosmopolitan center, this church is a group of confused mayhem and competition. That's the church he's talking about. Not Corinth, the church. The church is full of confused mayhem and com competition with each other. It was a church whose membership had a very high opinion of themselves. And because of their high opinion of themselves, there was division in the church based on wealth, class, respectability, and of course, the outward display of the spiritual expression of speaking in tongues, unintelligible tongues that no one could understand. 
if you could speak in those tongues, you are on the top tier. And they bragged about it. Those people who spoke in tongues firmly felt they were more special, more close to God compared to those others who simply handed out bulletins at the door of the church. I speak God's language, prayer language. What do you do? And Paul, he's writing this letter to the Corinthians to address their spiritual elitism within the church itself. Because it was wrecking havoc on the community. You see, the Christian church there in Corinth was structuring itself hierarchically. Just like the culture outside in the world. There was no intelligible difference between the hierarchical structure in the church than out in Corinth itself. It's a culture, hierarchical culture that's geared to the privileged. It's geared to the family connected and the spiritually gifted ones who were at the top of the rung. And all the rest of us who couldn't speak those gifts, who didn't have the same pedigree, well, we were on several gradients below them on the ladder. Paul spends three chapters in the letter of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, addressing this culturally hierarchical mindset that has infested the church from the outside. And it was showing itself through spiritual gifts. Mine is better than yours. Specifically today, Paul is addressing this fallacy of this congregational hierarchy based on status or on one's spiritual endowment. He is reminding them, alas, he's reminding you and me, Jesus doesn't structure our faith or the church like the culture does. Okay? If the church looks like the culture in the way it handles its business, there is a problem. This is what Paul is saying. The church, we learn from Paul, has a level playing field where all members matter and are needed to create and make a difference outside the doors in the community in order to change the culture out there. But instead, the church has put on the clothes of the culture out there and are parading around in here in clothes that don't fit or belong. Friends, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Hear the word of the Lord. I'm going to read verses 1 through 13. 1 through 13. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. See, parenthetically, they thought they were very informed. Paul's giving them a dig right there. You know that when you were 
pagans, literally Greeks, Gentiles. You were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of services, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each, all y'all, is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the discernment of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of those tongues. All of these gifts are activated by the same Spirit who allots to each one individually as the Spirit chooses. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, free, and we were all made to drink of the one Spirit. My beloved, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. What can we learn about the Spirit, the church, and our spiritual gifts from this text? Well, first I would say what is important is that it's not the gift or the gift's expression. What matters about gifts is the source from whence the gift comes. It's not about Patrick's gift of being able to preach. It's, it's not about Nick's gift of being able to lead the worship team at 9.30 and get everybody energized. It's not about that at all. It's not about the gift of this choir that moves our very being with the sounds that come out of their voice through the organ, through the piano. No, it comes from the Spirit of God. You and I, they, none of us have anything to do with it. The Bishop of Jerusalem, Cyril, back in the year 350, says it beautifully. Cyril describes it like this. He says about spiritual gifts, one and the same rain comes down on all the world. Yet it becomes, the rain becomes white in the lily, it becomes red in the rose, purple in the violets and hyacinths, different in many colored and manifold species. Thus rain is 
one in the palm tree and in another the vine. And in all things, though it is uniform, it does not vary in itself. It still reigns. The rain does not change. Coming down now one thing and now another, but it, it the rain, adapts itself to the thing receiving it and becomes what is suitable for each. Similarly, the Holy Spirit, being one in one nature, an individual, imparts to each one in the church grace according to the Spirit's will. It's about the rain, beloved, and not about the tree or the plant. It's about the Spirit speaking, using each one of us it's not about the gift itself. It's, it's manifestation. And it's a gift from God that matters. It's about the graciousness of God, first and foremost, about giving the gift to us to begin with. It's the same word, gift, as charismata. The same word we get, charismatic. It comes from God to us. It's unearned. We just receive it. Second, Paul reminds us for the church and for spiritual gifts, it requires that all of us are needed to make impact for the ministry of Jesus out in the world. In Paul's day, the body metaphor was very popular, particularly among the Greek and Roman philosophers. They always talked about the body particularly the Greeks when they talked about the polis, the city. And they would say that there are some parts of the body and the city government that is more important than everyone else. Now, Paul, he takes this metaphor, well-known metaphor of the body, and gives it a twist. Instead of saying there are some parts of the body that are more important than other parts of the body. So, for example, like the mayor is more important than the garbage man. Paul is saying, uh-uh. I'm going to put a twist on this because Paul is saying that everybody, every part of the body, every part of the church is important because each of us has been baptized with the Spirit of Jesus. It's not our gift. It's a gift given to us. And this is Paul's way of describing how the church is to be differentiated from the culture out there and how the rest of the world works. Sure, the mayor is important, but after four days, five days of no trash pickup, you can guarantee that garbage man's clout is getting pretty high. We're all important. Paul is telling us how the hierarchy in the church has been flattened. As we are reminded in verse 13, for in the one Spirit we are all baptized, Jews, Greeks, slave, or free, we are all made to drink of the same Spirit. Beloved, hierarchy has been flattened. 
for all people who have confessed by word and action Jesus is Lord and are baptized by the one Spirit, we have all been equally adopted as brothers and sisters of God. Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, men, women, white, black, straight, gay, and dare I add, Republican or Democrat. We are all children of the King, and the Lord needs our gifts to work together to show that. Instead of this enmity that this culture has today, we are to bring these gifts together and show unity in order to move the needle of the culture out there. Thirdly, it reminds us, our text reminds us, that there is no I in team. Verse 7 declares, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That was a tough thing for the Corinthians to hear. They were priding themselves that some in their community were more important than others based on their particular gifts. And Paul is hammering home the point that each of our particular gifts is not for our personal benefit or edification, it's for the benefit of the rest of the community, you with each other. Another ancient saint of the church, St. Basil, in the mid-third century wrote, quote, Since no one has the capacity to receive all gifts, the grace of the Spirit is given proportionately to the faith of each. When one is living in community with others, as we are as a church, the grace privately bestowed upon each individual, I love this, becomes the common possession of the others in the community. One who receives any of these gifts does not possess it for his or her own sake, but rather for the sake of those seated next to each other in the pew. So, for example, you've been given the gift of leadership. And you need to know it is not solely to advance your personal career. God is expecting you to use that gift of leadership for the church, first and foremost. That's why God gave you that gift. Yes, it's helpful out in the world, but God needs that gift of leadership used here. Do you have the gift of the modest touch? You know, you know how to make business decisions that make great revenue. Whatever you do, you have this entrepreneurial spirit, and you know how money makes money, and you know how to do it right. Well, guess what? God has blessed you with that gift. Not for your own stock portfolio. I hate to break it to you. God has given you that gift to apply that Midas touch of yours, that business acumen, for the wealth of the common good of your faith community. It's not your wealth. It's not my wealth. It's God's. Do you have the gift of empathic listening? And people, when they talk with you, experience safety? Well, God is expecting you to use it for the common good. 
for your fellow brothers and sisters in the church? Do you have the gift of being perceived as, here's, here's setting the bar pretty low. Maybe you've, you've got the gift for being just a genuinely nice, friendly person. Hello? Who can't do that? Well, God wants you to use that gift. Whether it was like Lou Lash handing out bulletins every Sunday, or whether it's just meeting people as a guest in the church to say hi. I'm so-and-so. What's your name? Friends. You get the point. Your job is to figure out what your gift is. And then you have to figure out how or even if you're going to use it or are using it for the service of the church, the body of Christ. My brother-in-law, Rick, he and his partner, Aubrey, uh, they got a border collie a few years ago. His name is Bear. Bear's about 30 pounds. He has one blue eye, one green eye. He's brown, white, little, little blacks on the bottom. But Bear has energy that's untapped. As a border collie, Bear is running everywhere. Bear has to herd. It doesn't matter what. It could be Aubrey's chickens that she raises in their backyard. Bear is going to herd the chickens. But one day, Bear decided he wants to herd cats. So Bear, still in the first year, puppy, he was at the top of the stairs on the stoop, looking down towards the front door when he saw two cats walking inside of the house. Bear, what's he going to do? Bear launched himself Without touching any of the steps, he launched himself through the air and he miscalculated the angle and he smashed up against the front door. He shook his head, got up, and began hurting cats. Even though he had a fractured front leg. His instinct to herd was greater than his own physical comfort. He had to herd. He cannot not herd. Not only are they the smartest dog breed, but they're one of the most active. And Bear was proving this. Pastor, author Heidi Haverkamp says, the Holy Spirit is like God's border collie, trying with boundless energy to herd us together into groups in order to testify in word and action that Jesus is Lord and that God is love. Huh. God is trying to herd us up. Hmm. Our gifts are not our own. They're for each other. Our gifts are not from ourselves. They are 
from God. And our gifts are to be shared equally, graciously, boundlessly with all the people in this room so that we, church, by the Holy Spirit's guidance, can go out there and make a difference in the world. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all of God's people said with joy. Amen. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. As we go this week, O oh Lord, help us to speak with another person about what our gifts are. Ask that other person, can they even see those gifts working in me, in us? And Lord, if we know we have a spiritual gift, and we all do, convict us whether or not we're using it. If we are, praise God. If not, then why not? Well, Lord, everything we have is from your generous hand. So be it. Let's stand and sing. Oh, nope, we got another profession of faith. We do. We do. Friends, as we prepare to close worship, I invite you to, to join me in saying what it is that we believe about the work of the Holy Spirit using this passage, this adapted passage from the Confession of 1967. Church, what is it that you believe? God, the Holy Spirit, fulfills the work of reconciliation in humankind. The Holy Spirit creates and renews the church as the community in which people are reconciled to God and to one another. Spirit enables us to receive forgiveness as we forgive one another and come to enjoy the peace of God as we make peace among ourselves. In spite of our sin, Spirit gives us power to become representatives both of Jesus Christ and his gospel of reconciliation to all people and creation. Today, I vow to use my spiritual gift. Friends, let's stand and sing our closing hymn.